You are tuning into another edition of Kicking Out at Two this week. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth. Thank you all so very much for being a part of this week's shows. We got a very fun show planned for you. We're going to be covering Daniel Bryan's March to WrestleMania 30 with the return of the My Favorite series. And joining me to highlight his favorite storyline and a few of his favorite matches in wrestling history, my good buddy Daniel Garcia, newly newly proud father. Congratulations, buddy. Can't wait to get into the Daniel Bryan discussion with him this week as we're going to cover Daniel Bryan's two WrestleMania matches, the one with Triple H that opened up that bout in 2014, and then the match he closed the show with against Randy Orton and Batista for the World Heavyweight title. So have your WWE Network fired up and ready to go. We'll give you all the instructions how you can watch along with us. And speaking of fun, we're over on uh, social media. That's right, a big presence on both Facebook and Twitter. You can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash kicking out it to hit the like button if you have not already. If you have, tell a friend to hit the like button. All kinds of great pictures, videos, articles, all kinds of cool stuff going on over there. We got a poll over there right now that goes till about April, early April, where we want you to vote which rendition of WCW Spring Stampede would you like to see us cover in watch along form. 1997, 1998, 1999, or 2000. Go over there and vote right now in the comment thread. We got some votes for 97. We got a vote for 1998. It's hot and heavy. That poll is over on Twitter as well, but Twitter only lets us keep the poll up for seven days, so I might have to reintroduce the poll every week or so, but you can vote for those same Spring Stampedes over on Twitter as well. Our handle is at KickingOut2, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two. Give us a follow, man. Help us build that, that, that strong following we have on Facebook. Help us do it with Twitter. And go vote for Spring Stampede Watch Along over on Twitter. And, uh, you know, as you can tell by the background noise, I got Eric Bischoff's old WCW theme playing. Mainly because I got to hang out with the Bish last week. Um... I went to the uh, Something to Wrestle with 83 Weeks uh, live show, and um, I had a lot of fun. My wife joined me. She got this for me as a Christmas gift, and um, I will say that um, it was it was a night that you know I'll truly never forget. Uh, she got me the VIP package, and I got to uh, you know meet Bruce Conrad and Eric, and you know. The Bruce Pritchard Show, 83 Weeks, all these podcasts that Conrad does, it inspired me to do this show. I've told you this before. Um, just the fun that they have, reminiscing about the old days, that's what I, excuse me, that's what I love to do on this show. And um, they were a big inspiration to that. Uh, you know, just a, a minor little markout moment I had uh, is when... Um, uh, when I walked up to meet them, Bruce came, you know, Bruce said, come on over, come on over. And I walked over and Bischoff noticed my, uh, my, my kicking out at two hoodie. If those of you that follow me on social media, Donnie, who's going to be joining me shortly, um, has a, a clothing apparel business, uh, big dog sub sublimation. I'll have the link up over on the Facebook page later this week. Um, and on Twitter as well. Um, he does a lot of, uh, sports apparel, softball teams, um, you know, 
and different kind of uh, logo and, and clothing apparels and things of that nature. I'm kind of losing my train of thought here as I'm trying to explain this. I apologize. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Donnie made this sweatshirt for me as a gift. Um, and he's a good buddy of mine. And uh, Bischoff noticed it and thought it was really cool. And then I told them that this was, uh, you know, your guys' show was a uh, big, big inspiration to do my podcast. And, you know, they thanked me for it. And, you know, I tried not to stay too long. I tried not to be one of those fans that really hogged the time. And there was a lot of people in line behind me so I wanted to you know just kind of you know say my piece let them know how much I appreciated uh, their 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 shows and their efforts each and every week and that I was looking forward to a great show that they were going to put on um, that evening and so you know they were very appreciative of it and I got my chair I sat down and uh, my wife joined me, and there was a lot of fun stories. It was more, mainly a Q&A type of uh, setting. There was a lot of questions that a lot of fans were able to ask. I got to ask a question. Um, I asked Eric Bischoff what the bigger mistake was, you know, the night of the finger poke of doom. We kind of talked about it on our trading places, uh, finger poke of doom versus Mick Foley's world title victory over in the archives or on our social media pages as well as SoundCloud.com. And you could also find those are archives on the very newly introduced Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network that we're going to be a part of that launches Wrestlemania weekend. Stay tuned for more information for that on our social media page. I'm going to get into that in just a little bit. But um, yeah, Bischoff basically said that it was definitely a major mistake to give away the results for Mick Foley's uh, uh, world title victory. My question basically was, was it the bigger mistake giving away the results or not having the finger poke do main event bleed into Monday Night Raw's overrun because raw used to run till 1105 1107 uh on the east coast um and uh you know, we kind of discussed it on this show. What if they can kind of produced and constructed that main event to force people to stay on and watch it as opposed to, um, you know, changing the channel to see Mick Foley's world title win? And earlier in the show, Bischoff had, you know, given away the results and, you know, three quarters of the audience went over to watch that and didn't look back. So, um he was pretty confident and sure that that was the bigger mistake as opposed to constructing the main event to bleed into Raw's overrun. Because at the time, you know, Nitro used to air three hours and then you would get an immediate replay of that three of the three hour live show following that on the network. And the network owned the company, so it wasn't like the company had to pay any kind of fees to stay on later. Um, yeah, I mean, so... It, it was one of those situations where I thought, like, oh, I wonder what Bischoff would think if, you know, in hindsight, and he, he's not a big hindsight kind of guy, but in hindsight, if uh, he, um, you know, he thought of that or, you know, what what would have happened had they decided to not give away the results and to plan their main event to bleed into Raw's overrun. But, um, he like I said, he was pretty confident that, uh, you know, that... that the the finger that the uh the giving away Foley's title win was the major mistake out of that evening, so um you know that was kind of cool. He answered my question. There were a lot of dumb questions. I'm not gonna lie. A lot of the lingo with the show. If any of you guys that follow you know something to wrestle or even 83 weeks, there was a lot of lingo with that show that was brought up. A lot of people trying to do Jim Cornette impressions or Terry Funk impressions. Um, you know, I mean it was fun, but like it was pretty annoying. I'm not gonna lie. There was a couple of guys behind us that like they were so I don't know if they were 
drunk or whatever the case was. I mean, they were having a good time. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus Christ, these fucking guys, were, you know, were laughing before the punchline or the joke even took place. And Bruce said hello. Bruce was out first. Bruce said hello, and then these guys started laughing like he just told a joke. My wife was. <laughs> my wife looked over at me and she was like, "You owe me big time." Um, and of course, I'll come through like I always do because I'm a good husband. Um, I've gone to you know several things that don't really fancy fancy my taste, but um, are, are big you know important things to her. So you know it's give and take in a marriage, as many of you know. So um, you know I want to appreciate, I want to thank my wife and let her know that I appreciate the fact that you know she came along and and, and joined me and uh, you know apologized about a hundred times leaving the casino about these idiots that sat behind us and were so obnoxious. But you know nonetheless, she said she still had a good time. Um, um, and, you know, enjoyed some of the stories. There were some stories they couldn't tell on the podcast that maybe I'll tell one or two. Um, like, for instance, what's a good one? Oh, um, Eric Bischoff told a story where him and Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman were promoting... Um, I believe they were promoting one of the the Rodman appearances in WCW. And they went to New York um, on the Howard Stern show. Um, and they had to, they, they partied the night before, like hardcore, and then they had to get up like two hours later to get ready so they can get on Stern, because uh, Stern was, you know, putting them, putting them on early in the morning. Howard Stern used to come on, I believe, at like 5 or 6 a.m. on the East Coast, and uh, Bischoff recalls, uh, you know, going to Rodman's manager's room, and he'd be like, you gotta wake up Dennis, and he was like, I'm not waking him up, you wake him up, and Bischoff's like, no, that's your job, you need to wake him up, and the guy was like, no, it's, you go wake him up, so Bischoff finally, uh, Went to the room, knocked on the door. Um, the door was unlocked, and he walked in. He couldn't hear anyone. He was saying, "Dennis, Dennis, you awake? Dennis, you there?" And uh, then he pre- proceeds to, um, to 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 turn the corner because it was like a big suite or whatever. And uh, he's watching Dennis Rodman. Um, completely bang Carmen Electra's brains out um, in, in the in the middle of his hotel room and, De- and Dennis and Carmen just kind of look at him like nothing's going on and um, the uh, the you know Bischoff doesn't know what to do but Bischoff described it as if you know um, sex was an Olympic sport Dennis Rodman meddled in gold because uh, he about folded her in half according to Bischoff <laughs> so that was a pretty fun story um there was a great story that um, that uh, Bruce Pritchard told of um, this was around the time that he was let go from the WWE the first time in 1991, and he was invited to a surprise birthday party for Vince McMahon in New York City, and it was right around the time of SummerSlam that year, and so he went with Roddy Piper, and... Um, they went to the party, they had a good time, and then they took a limo back from the city to Stamford, um, where Bruce was staying at a hotel nearby the office, and they go to use the bathroom in the lobby, and they're, you know, in the urinals, taking a leak, and uh, there's a, there's, Bruce and Piper noticed that there's a, a, a person sitting on the floor inside the stall with the door closed, and they're, like, sitting, like, you know, uh, crisscross applesauce or Indian style, whatever you want to call it. Um, and Piper proceeds to start having a conversation with this guy. And it turns out it's Jake the Snake Roberts. And Bruce Bruce tells a story as, you know, uh, 
it's like the middle of the week. It's like Tuesday or a Wednesday or something, and there's no need for talent to be near the office. But for whatever reason, Jake was in the lobby bathroom of this of this hotel in Stamford, Connecticut, sitting on the floor of the stall. And Jake stands up and gets out of the stall, and he looks at Piper, and he's like, uh, he has this, you know, this this pipe he's like you want to take a hit and piper says oh sure why not and he takes a hit and then they give it to bruce and he goes bruce you want to take a hit and bruce is just like yeah sure man no problem and uh you know um they leave and bruce is like that's the most bizarre thing i've ever been a part of what the hell is jake doing in the hotel in stanford on a wednesday um sitting on the bathroom floor inside a stall um and that has to be the worst marijuana i've ever smoked in my life and piper responded well bruce that's not that's because it's not marijuana it's crack cocaine <laughs> and bruce was like all right well that's the first and only time i've ever done crack cocaine um some other great stories a lot of you know like i said a lot of questions from the audience um you know there was a lot of razzing of bruce because he had just recently taken a position with wwe in a creative role um so there was a lot of you know questions about that a lot of a lot of poking fun from conrad and bishop off um overall a lot of stories i've heard some stuff i've never heard before which was pretty cool the experience was fun like i said i got an autographed picture um my wife nikki she she blew up my logo into an 8 by 10 glossy photo and i got them to autograph that which was cool i'm gonna have that hanging up in my studio as well as the the autograph picture of the three of them um, I had a cool looking lanyard. I posted it on our social media page. You can check out all the pictures from my experience at the something to wrestle with 83 week show last week over on our Facebook and our Twitter pages, uh, for kicking out it too. Um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun and definitely looking forward to, um, you know, going to another show again. Bruce is probably not going to do many more, uh, because of his, uh, his new job with WWE, but, um, I'd love to see a Tony Schiavone live show. I'm a listener of WHW. Uh, haven't caught. It's been a while since I've listened to their their podcast because just because of my schedule, and then I've had a hard time um, getting down to to listening. I'm about six or seven episodes behind, and I've been listening to them for, since day one. So uh, I got to get back on that. But um, nonetheless, a lot of fun this weekend, and certainly uh, looking forward to you guys having a lot of fun with us this week on this show. Is like I said, Donnie and I, we, we broke down and discussed and dissected Daniel Bryan's, uh, you know, uh, his march to WrestleMania. Uh, like I said, it was one of Donnie's favorite episodes or favorite storylines. It's one of my favorite, not only one of my favorite storylines, but it was the last time that I had attended a WrestleMania as we were in the midst of WrestleMania season. Um, Daniel Bryan in the thick of it for the title he's going to be defending the title this week against kevin owens at fast lane it's rumored he's going to have some involvement with kofi kingston um at the, at wrestlemania uh there's been a lot of names that have been discussed and thrown out there for daniel bryan to face for the wwe title um what a difference um you know a couple of years makes you know daniel bryan was the most beloved character in all of wrestling and now going into this wrestlemania he's one of their strongest bad guys one of their their top heels um and i didn't think it was possible for for people to boo him because 
He had such a, a great underdog story that Donnie and I are going to get into momentarily that I felt like it was so strong that it would be hard to hate him. But a testament to him as a performer, he's able to get the people to really, really want to see someone kick his ass. And that's that's the art. That's the, that's that's a testament, like I said, to him as a performer. And he's a true artist in this great industry that we call professional wrestling. So with that being said, allow us to get into this week's discussion. All right, here we are. Another edition of the My Favorites Collections here on Kicking Out at Two. Great show this week we have planned for you. A good friend of mine, dear, close, personal, longtime friend, someone uh, you know that's uh, very near and dear to my heart. We work together at our day job, just like Chris Donovan and myself. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have a common passion, pro wrestling. That's what kind of keeps us uh, sane during the day at our job. Uh, he's going to be helping me out this week with his favorite storyline that culminates in uh, a couple of his favorite matches in all of wrestling as we are here in Wrestlemania season without further ado allow me to introduce my good buddy Danielle Garcia what's up man hey what's going on thanks for having me super super stoked yeah, it's it, I'm, I'm happy you're here and like I said to you a long time ago off air when we were uh, when, when I was telling you about this journey at kicking out it too I wanted you a part of it in some way shape or form and you know I want this to be for true wrestling fans and I always look at you as a, a tried and true wrestling fan and uh, you know when we discussed this concept and I was telling you some of my ideas. I had to, you know, kind of pick your brain a little bit and ask you some questions. And one of the uh, one of the questions was, you know, what was like your favorite storyline, your favorite match? And you, you brought this up: the the Daniel Bryan march to WrestleMania 30. Uh, otherwise known as the Yeslemania storyline to some in in uh, the, the wrestling circuit and. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool because I was at this show. This was the last WrestleMania I had attended, and this is probably one of my favorite wrestling shows to attend. Just this moment in and of itself. Uh, before we get started in your thoughts on and why you chose this, um, tell some of our listeners a little bit about your, uh, your your history, your background in wrestling. Well, I was always a big wrestling fan as a kid. I watched with my dad my brother a lot. Um, always grew up loving Steve Austin, Triple H. Uh, Shawn Michaels, you know, those really big characters. Um, I was a really big fan of the Stone Cold storylines with Vince McMahon. I thought that was really great stuff. Um, and even now, I still look at a lot of the good storylines, like the Daniel Bryan Triple H. And I, this is why it's one of my favorites, because it's such a great story to tell. Which you don't really see too often anymore. I feel like in WWE. No, you you certainly don't. I will I will agree with you there. It's uh, this was one this was one that kind of uh, um, really uh, hit it home for a lot of fans, wrestling fans. You know, middle aged America, middle America, if you will. Uh, you know, fighting from underneath, trying to get ahead in the workplace, in the workforce, and there's I wouldn't say people in, in work holding you down, but you know. Um, your your abilities are not um, tapped to its full potential, and that's what this Daniel Bryan storyline was, where his abilities in the ring weren't tapped to its full potential, and the authority, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, kind of set a ceiling for him, and he can only get so far. And I know that you know some people in the workforce feel like that they are better than the position that they are in, and they 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 want to do something to improve, whether that's work harder or stand up for themselves to their to their bosses. Um, in some ways, you could say that this was a modern-day version of the, uh, the the Steve Austin, Mr. McMahon, yeah. with the exception oh, yeah. that Daniel Bryan, you know, wasn't cussing, drinking beer, and you know, flipping people <laughs> off uh, like Stone Cold was. But um, tell me, uh, just give me, you know, a, a brief description why 
you chose this storyline. What was it about this story that, that you wanted to talk about here on Kicking On It 2? It was really just a classic underdog story where, like you just mentioned, you know, he only has such a high ceiling and, you know, that's what he was supposed to be, but he kept fighting through it, fighting through it, and ended up having two phenomenal matches at Mania to finally get the title, you know, which is really the, the dream for everybody in WWE. So I think that's really the biggest reason why I loved it was because it's really a true underdog story. Yeah, you can't not love underdog stories in not only in wrestling, but just, you know, in life in and of itself, uh, whether it be, you know, uh, other facets of entertainment, television, sports. Uh, like I said, just just life itself. It's uh, it's hard not to get behind an underdog in any way, shape, or form. All right, let's uh, let's circle back here before we get into the meat and potatoes of the Daniel Bryan march to WrestleMania. We got to kind of circle back a little bit here, where this kind of really started between him and the Authority. Uh, Daniel Bryan had an, earned an opportunity to face John Cena for the WWE Championship at the 2013 SummerSlam event. Triple H was the guest referee of that match, uh, which I found to be a little bit of an odd placement because he really wasn't on television a whole lot at the time. He just kind of inserted himself into that match. And uh, it was, a, it was a, a clash of two different styles. John Cena was seen as the guy who was the, um, the image that WWE wanted you to look at as, a, as their top guy in the company and Daniel Bryan wasn't so it was two different worlds colliding in some ways from a from a, a marketing standpoint uh, as, as as history told us uh, Daniel Bryan ended up defeating John Cena clean in the middle of the ring one two three no interference no crazy finish and became the WWE champion um, following that you saw the confetti flying Triple H raising his hand holding the title um, and Randy Orton showed up with the Money in the Bank briefcase, which he had won a month prior at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, looking to cash in when out of nowhere, that special referee Triple H attacks Daniel Bryan from behind, delivering the pedigree and helping Orton secure victory by cashing in that Money in the Bank and becoming the WWE champion, ending Daniel Bryan's storybook moment at that year's SummerSlam in 2013. Give me some of your thoughts on, uh, on that scenario, the match, and what took place post-match. Well, I thought it was a great match, and, you know, like you said, it was kind of random how Triple H was the special guest referee, but I guess it is what it is, right? Yeah. And then, you know, the ending of the match was, like you said, it was a great match, clean, it was awesome, and then with Triple H turning on Daniel Bryan, it was kind of like, whoa, kind of moment, you know? And then Randy Orton coming out and cashing in, it was just kind of a bit of a surprise, and then I think a great start to the to the storyline. Oh, it definitely kicked things into high gear. Um, and I remember watching it that night uh, with, uh, with a buddy of mine. And I just said, Daniel Bryan's going to, it may take a while, but Daniel Bryan's going to get his, 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 uh, you know, his revenge back. It's going to happen at some point and it'll probably happen at WrestleMania. I was like, this is the big moment. It's going to kind of get you geared towards WrestleMania, the big storyline in WWE. It was, a, it was almost in some ways a modern day version of the corporation uh, with Triple H and Stephanie forming the authority. So uh, following that, a couple of rematches between Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton, nothing to really write home about for me. Uh, a couple of screwy finishes and, um, Daniel Bryan was kind of taken away from his focus on the championship and had some stuff with the Wyatt family. I know you and I have talked about the Wyatts and how you're a big fan of that the, the, that presentation, those characters. I believe personally that um, 
one of the most underutilized factions in wrestling. They could have done so much more with the three of them together. Um, just really expand on that like psychological cult like presentation that they had. Brian, you know, to end 2013, going into early 2014, was feuding with the Wyatts and then became a member of the Wyatt family. Uh, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the storyline with him kind of pivoting from the authority to the Wyatts. And then give me your thoughts on uh, the Wyatts itself and what you think, what you thought of their 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 characters at the time. Well, I'm a really big Wyatt family fan. I was I thought... It would be a really new kind of Undertaker-ish kind of character. The dark kind of, yeah. the yeah. dark kind of, like, get in your head kind of thing. Yep. I was a really big fan, and I think they're totally underused, and I think they could have done so much more. But when they when I saw Daniel Bryan with the Wyatts, it was kind of like, what the hell is going on here, you know? Mm-hmm. Nobody really expected it. And then one, after a couple of weeks, it was like, okay, you know, this is this is different, but I'm, I'm not totally against it, you know? But then... A few more weeks go by, and it's like, well, how long is this going to really go for? You know, this can't be Daniel Bryan's new gimmick, you know? He's yeah. too big of a character. Yeah. So, you know, I was really glad when he turned on him, um, and then getting away from that, from the Wyatt family there, to, and then go back to the... Um, His issues with the authority. Yeah. 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 Well, he, like you said, he turned on him uh, on Monday Night Raw in early of 2014, setting up a match between Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt at that year's Royal Rumble event. Uh, they opened up the card. Great match, but uh, Daniel Bryan did not come up the victor, uh, which at the time watching that event, I thought, okay, he loses to Wyatt, but you know what? He's going to move on from that because he, he needed to get away from that. He really needs to get back into the title pictures. We head towards WrestleMania, or at least so we thought he was going to be in the title picture um, at that Royal Rumble event. As we, we all know, um, in that match, he did not even... He wasn't even involved in the match. He was not an entrant in the Royal Rumble match. And it turned out Batista, who just had returned, uh, won that Royal Rumble match. And the crowd in Pittsburgh was none too pleased, not only that Daniel Bryan wasn't in the match, but that Batista was the victor. Um, Once again, thoughts on Bryan's lack of involvement in the match and did you think that like there was no hope now that he was out of the that he wasn't even involved in the match to get an opportunity at the title oh yeah definitely definitely when you when you don't see daniel bryan in the royal rumble like, that's kind of surprising and then with bautista coming back and winning it you know it's just it was like that classic wwe moment as a fan where you know there goes daniel bryan now it's going to be the bautista and the orton's and the lesnar's going back to the top in the, in the wrestlemania you know just like your classic, you know, well, there goes another guy that they could have used. Yeah. And they, they end up not using, which turns out they did end up using Brian in, in a great way. But this is kind of what I thought watching it. Like, oh, here we go again. Poor Rey Mysterio. I don't know if you remember this, but Rey Mysterio was uh, was the 30th entrant. And nobody knew that he was the 30th entrant. Usually the 30th entrant, uh, you know, is obviously a, somewhat of a surprise over the, over the years when it comes to the Royal Rumble concept. But, uh, um Poor little Rey Mysterio, he was so popular, his little midget ass comes outside <laughs> the ring and, and, and he's ready to go in the Rumble. And they're booing Rey Mysterio, yeah. who's normally a, a fan favorite universally amongst all wrestling fans, especially in WWE. But uh, 
you know, that was a turning point, that event in front of the camera and behind the curtain, because as we all know, CM Punk ended up quitting WWE the next day. And uh, I can get into CM Punk in another day because I, I think he's a fucking asshole. But um, that's another topic for, for another day here on Kicking Out It too. Um, Daniel Bryan, not on, not on the Royal Rumble, not in the Royal Rumble match, excuse me, um, Punk quitting the company kind of altering some WrestleMania plans. At the time, it was rumored that Punk and Triple H were going to wrestle at WrestleMania, and there was a rumor that Daniel Bryan wasn't even going to be in the title picture, and he was going to wrestle Sheamus, which I thought... Um, a waste. I, I thought, in some ways, it was a waste, but I thought at the same time, like from a storytelling perspective, it kind of would bring him and Sheamus's issues full circle, because if you remember, it was two years prior to that where Sheamus beat Daniel Bryan in 18 seconds at WrestleMania oh, in I Miami. Yeah, yeah I, I was there for that wrestlemania as well and i'll never forget it was the first match i was like oh it's gonna be a great match bell rings you know everyone stands up usually you know first you know when the guys come out everyone's standing up so they can see and then when the bell rings everyone will sit down bell rings i sit down i think i, I don't know if i dropped my drink or i was going to pick something up between my legs all of a sudden like seamus kicks him i didn't even see it the match was over just like <laughs> that and i'll never forget um that was like the start of like when the yes chance became really popular was that that weekend in miami and it got to a point where it was almost annoying but i i had grown to like it over time and i just remember there were like a couple like really really older much older than us uh daniel bryan fans that looked like they'd never seen a gym before and they were they were devastated that he lost in such fashion like that you heard there you heard fans yelling they're they're screwing him it's an embarrassment yeah, yeah. And, you know in some ways i could understand their frustration but i was like you still got like two and a half three hours more of a show like that show's gonna be main evented by the rock and john cena like yeah. you, your night's not over you know <laughs> like you know it, it, there's no need for you to to be salty about it for the rest of the show. So that's that's going back to, you know, my point. That's where I thought that, you know, this, from from a storytelling perspective, things would come full, full circle. Daniel Bryan, at the very least, will get his revenge on Sheamus and will avenge that loss from WrestleMania, despite not being in the title picture, even though that's where I preferred him at that WrestleMania. Um, so we see in the coming weeks after that, he earns an opportunity in the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Championship. Once again, screwed by the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, Corporate Kane, <laughs> uh, who was the, um, the, he was the, what was he for the authority? I mean, I guess he was just, he was just Corporate Kane. He didn't really have much yeah. of a title other than, you know, he just kind of did the dirty work for the authority. And Randy Orton ended up, uh, you know, keeping the WWE Championship in that match. And, uh, you know, I'd said before, like, it was the Rumble event was a turning point. But, you know, after Elimination Chamber was an even bigger turning point because um, one of the, the most memorable moments in the history of Raw and of the storyline was when Daniel Bryan occupied Monday Night Raw with about 40 or 50 people in, dressed up in Daniel Bryan T-shirts in the Yes Movement, forcing the authority to put him in the title picture at WrestleMania. Um any thoughts and memories on that moment on Raw when Daniel Bryan held Raw hostage with his uh, his his Yes movement? Yeah, it was it was such a great uh, segment there, and you kind of think, okay, well he's going to take over Raw, and it'll cool, you know, all these people chanting Yes with all the you know the red T-shirts, awesome, cool. But then you never, I can see you know Hunter coming out saying, okay, you got it, you got it, you know, and somehow finding a way not to give it to him, you know, 
uh, screwing him as tricking he's been. him. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that they gave it to him and it actually stuck was was really cool and kind of see him kind of turning it around where he's done getting screwed over. You know. Yeah, I remember watching that segment at home with uh, with my who's my wife now, Nikki. Um, we were folding laundry on the bed, and uh, she kind of had the same feeling you did in the sense that like she's like they're not going to give him the belt, they're not going to do this again, they're just going to mess with him. You know, he's so popular. Like I don't know why they keep doing this to him. And um, I'll never forget when when he when he kind of forced Hunter into giving them the match, and he said. You know, Hunter said, "All right, you got your deal. Like it's, you know, it's you and me. And if you beat me, you get in the title match. And I'll never forget. Like my wife was folding laundry, and I just kind of like pounded my fist on the bed. I was like, yes. I was like, this is it. Like this is going to be. And I'm going to that WrestleMania. So I was like, this is going to be so cool. He's finally going to have his opportunity. Like I got caught up in it at 31 years old. I got caught up in being involved in that storyline. That's what makes wrestling so, so cool to be a fan of is that like, it doesn't matter what age you are. You can get caught up in something, even knowing that it's like, make believe or predetermined or scripted or whatever you want to call it and still be fun. Like, you know, you've, I'm sure you've watched movies before and you've gotten caught up in, in, in scenes and moments with certain characters and the twists and turns. Like it's, it's no different than that. And I thought that it just reminded me. And my wife was like, when I pounded my fist on the bed, she was like, easy. I just did the laundry. Like, you know, (laughs) I almost like put a hole in her t-shirt or something. At least that's what she thought, you know, but yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a cool moment for me. Um, as we as we head towards the first match at WrestleMania, uh, Daniel Bryan Triple H uh, opened the card at, at WrestleMania 30. It followed a really cool segment with Stone Cold, The Rock, and Hulk Hogan, which was probably the the, the coolest thing to ever be a part of live and in person. Um, the uh, the the stakes were you know pretty high going into the the opening match with Daniel Bryan and Triple H. Just like I said, Daniel Bryan wins. He gets involved in the title match uh, with Orton and Batista in the main event. But it you know wasn't too long before that Triple H said, "Well, if I beat you, I'm going to be involved in the title match too," which he hadn't been involved in the title picture for quite some time before that. So um, what we're going to do here, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have all of you uh, go on to WWE Network right now. And uh, search for WrestleMania 30 as we're going to do a watch along of uh, both of the uh, Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 30 matchups as we're going to begin with the Daniel Bryan Triple H uh, WrestleMania 30 match as it opened the card of that event. So what I'm going to need you to do is head on over to WWE Network, search WrestleMania 30. And when you're searching for WrestleMania 30, you might have to fast forward a few minutes, probably 23 minutes and 31 seconds. Uh, We'll give you a little bit of time there. And uh, then we'll give you a countdown. In five, four, three, two, one, hit play. As we see the, uh, the graphics... Daniel Bryan, Triple H, WrestleMania 30. The winner enters the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match later in the evening, which would involve Randy Orton and the 2014 Royal Rumble winner, Batista. Um, what was your excitement level heading into this match? Oh, I was really excited. You know, again, you know, part of me thought going into that match, you know, you know, 
he's going to get the chance, but, you know, Triple H is going to beat him with a low blow or some sort of BS, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be the main event with the authority, you know? Mm-hmm. So, part of me was excited, you know, I was really excited to see the matches. I knew uh, wrestling-wise it would be a great match Yeah. between the two. But also, you know, is he actually going to come out victorious and go to the main event, you know? I, I was really doubtful. As we see here in this video package, early Daniel Bryan in this time in the WWE, clean-shaven, um, looks like a, a little boy compared to what he looks like, you know, in, the, in recent years with the longer hair and the beard. Yeah. And it doesn't even look the same. No, certainly doesn't there, but uh, it seems like an ongoing theme with his character, at least in WWE, uh, that, you know, he's fighting from underneath, the classic underdog. It seems like he's the, in some ways, the ultimate underdog um, in just about every scenario that he's involved in. And uh, I guess that's one of the main reasons why people uh, got behind him so much, and especially with this Yes movement heading into this this, this particular WrestleMania. Look at that crowd going crazy there in that video package for Daniel Bryan. It's, uh, it really it's, took over a lot of those Monday Night Raws and a lot of those those segments, you know? It really took over the whole show. Yeah. As we see here where we just started, you know, the, the Triple H screwing Daniel Bryan at that SummerSlam and helping Randy Orton become the WWE champion. I mean, it was so popular that, you know... In some circles, I've heard people say that, you know, if something in wrestling catches on in the mainstream outside of wrestling, then you know it's 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 a big deal. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was um, Michigan State College basketball game where uh, it was one of those situations where it was a, a buzzer beater and the team won. And, you know, in college sports, the, the, the fans jump out of the stands and they celebrate on the court with the team and... Uh, they were all out there doing the yes chant. Yeah, yeah. Which was pretty cool. I think it even transferred over to, like, San Francisco Giant baseball yeah, games, too. Yeah, video, yeah. As we see, you know, you, you coined the phrase earlier when we were discussing this off-air, you know, this, the, the beginning of, you know, the authority dubbing him, you know, this B-plus player. Uh, and this is right here, the, the, the moment where Brian and about 40 or 50, maybe even 100 people, uh, back him up to give him his opportunity at WrestleMania against Triple H. Even with the size difference, because a lot of people had, had said, you know, that the size difference would be an issue. Was that an issue with you from a storytelling perspective with Daniel Bryan and Triple H? No, no. I mean, really, the size issue in WWE, I... I couldn't care less about it, you know? It's almost like, you know, back with Rey Mysterio and Batista, you know? Yeah. When Rey Mysterio used to beat Batista all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. To me, it was just, you got him with this quickness and, you know, just pure wrestling. Like, Daniel Bryan's a great pure wrestler. Yeah. You know, he's going to get you on all angles where he's not going to overpower anybody. But it's still believable to me because he uses, you know, all the other moves and all that kind of stuff. He's, you know? He outsmarts you with, with things that he knows his opponent can't yeah. can't do. Yeah. So I, I was I, I was never really too big on, you know, the guy's too small or, you know, whatnot, you know. But the guy can move, the guy can wrestle, I'm, I'm always cool with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I know people get hung up on that. And I certainly, I'm kind of, I'm right there in the same boat with you. I, I definitely don't. 
uh, get hung up on on it with you. Now, this is probably one of the coolest things to be a part of. Being, I was at this WrestleMania in 2014 in New Orleans, and being there live was this entrance um, by Triple H. Uh, WrestleMania has always been known for, for for big entrances, and Triple H has made some memorable ones over the years. And maybe it's because I'm biased because I was at this event, but this was my favorite Triple H entrance at a WrestleMania. I just thought. Um, it was so cool and, and, and fit, the, uh, fit the story at the time. You'll see coming up in a few moments is uh, Stephanie McMahon in her, her best-looking schoolgirl outfit, uh, ready to introduce her husband, Triple H, here at WrestleMania 30. Triple H has always had those really good entrances where it's yeah. kind of really over the top and very characterized and everything, which is great. It's really cool to see, you know? Yeah. I really always loved his entrances, you know? The throne. That looks really cool. You want to know a little fun fact about this? I don't know if you know this, but the three women that are that are part of this entrance with Triple H, Charlotte Flair, right there oh, on, yeah. on your right, down below in the corner by his knees, Alexa Bliss. No kidding. And to, his, and to our left, Sasha Banks. Wow, I didn't know that. All three... Part of his entrance before they ever made their uh, their main roster debuts on WWE. It's like those guys that are uh, like the security guards and that kind of stuff. Yeah, with the Halloween costume yeah. store costumes. Yeah, <laughs> they look like they look worse than rent a cops. <laughs> yeah. They look like a Halloween party you and I'd go to. But just the, the look at it here the, the the mask with the the the, the robe like. Yeah. You know, the king, you know, he's the, he's the king of his empire, and the empire is WWE, and it was just, uh, you know, just the, the lighting, the way this whole thing was produced, like, even watching it, like, you know, in the, in the stadium, in person, was just so cool, like, and you'll see the visual coming up in just a moment here as he lifts the helmet, right here, that's where he lifts the helmet off, and then, boom, the camera just looks into his yeah. eyes, like, it was, it's just so fucking cool, I, every time I see that, I, 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 Goosebumps, yeah, really. it's it's cool as shit. I, I love it. You can see in the lighting there the Sasha and and, and Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, I never knew that. That's awesome. Yeah, they they do that a lot of times in recent years with with some of the WrestleMania entrances. They'll use guys, um, you know, as, and dress them up so they they can't see. Um, a couple of years ago, because uh, my brother went to school at uh, Full Sail University where uh, WWE films NXT and. Um, he got an email that WWE was looking into uh, uh, hiring some people to be extras as a part of a couple of entrances for WrestleMania. Um, he applied for it and didn't get it, but uh, you know, the, I think one of the entrances was for um, uh, who was it? Uh, I think it was a Triple H entrance. Okay, uh, that WrestleMania that you came over to our house where uh, yeah. he wrestled Roman Reigns. Yep, yep, yeah. I think it was uh, one of those, uh, one of those WrestleManias and one of those entrances, a, a Triple H entrance. I think Rusev's entrance was mentioned too. I don't know if that's the same WrestleMania or not, but um, they were looking for extras. I forget how much he, he told me you'd get paid, but you basically just kind of had to be around for the whole weekend for different dress rehearsals and things like that. So you had to be available pretty much at all times. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, shit. Like, I would have done that. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, 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 I could say, like, down. I was a part of WrestleMania. I was on WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't take that away from me. Like, no. that, that, that's cool as hell. Um, the standard spitting your bottle of water out into the crowd, showering the front row. 
polite. I will say though, Triple H always looked good. You know, even now, you know, in this match, he looks still looks phenomenal. Yeah, he wasn't as massive as he was back. No, you know, but he's still you know lean and mean. You know what I mean? No, no, he's definitely kept himself in great shape over the years. More so in recent years. I mean, he looks he looks unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I can't really uh, I can't really find the time period where he. Um, where he, he didn't look good. He's yeah. always kept himself in, in, in great shape. Uh, he was probably, what, about 45 in this match? Uh, yeah. I would, something around Something, there. yeah. You might be right, yeah. I'm, you you might be correct. I think he's almost pushing 50, if I'm not mistaken. And look at him at 50 years old. Yeah. yeah he's unbelievable. Still. Unbelievable. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that, you know, because he's an executive, mm-hmm. he doesn't get drug tested like the rest of the guys. <laughs> so, I mean, he don't have to piss in a cup randomly yeah. every single time. You know what I mean? So he can take something that might not be above board when it comes you yeah. know, to <laughs> medical standards amongst the, the, the WWE wellness policy. But uh, he, certainly, uh, he certainly kept himself in, uh, in great shape as we see. I think, honestly, if you look at that shot right there, that might be where I was sitting. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I could be wrong, but I'll never forget. When he came out, man, but the place was shaking. I couldn't even hear myself think. Like, that's <laughs> how loud it was. Like, and then I, I would always, every time I go to one of these WrestleManias, I always look around and just look at the amount of people that are in that building and how cool it is oh, that you're a part of that. You know what I mean? You know, I hope someday you get to experience something like that because yeah. it's, so, it's so cool to be just. I don't know. Sometimes I'll, I, there's been times at WrestleManias where I get caught up and I'm not watching the match. I'll just look around and be like, yeah. holy shit, there is someone sitting up there in the last row. <laughs> and they are enjoying the shit out of themselves because it's WrestleMania. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's you know, the, 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 the beauty of, of uh, being a part of one of those events. I always thought, too, you know, to be Daniel Bryan coming out of the curtain and you see all these people chanting your name, doing the yes, you know, chants and everything. It's like I I couldn't imagine what that even feels like. Look at that right there. Look yeah. at that. It's a sea. It's yeah. a sea of people. Yeah. Unbelievable. The amount of you know, you, you that kind of reaction at that time in twenty fourteen for someone like him, I can't remember Well, I should say I can't remember, but the last time I saw a reaction like that with crowd participation like that was probably like Austin Rock. Okay. Like those guys. That like that kind of reaction where mm-hmm. it just like universally like everybody is behind him. Everyone's loving him, you know? Like it's Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that like today's, you know, the the, the guys that, you know, wrestle today, um, don't get a reaction from the audience, but I mean that was strong. That yeah. was like that's like the definition of like a grassroots movement, you know. Like here we go, sign. If Daniel Bryan wins, we or loses, we riot. You yeah. see that sign there? Like that's how hard this storyline hit fans because they identified with him on many levels, myself included. You know, feeling in some ways, you know, in the work world that you're you're not, you know, getting what you deserve or feel what you deserve, but you're working hard and yeah. proving otherwise, you know. Now, do you think something like this, let's say, and I'm sure it happens sometimes with mm-hmm. matches like this, when you can't help but to say, you know, we have to give the fans what they want here. Can you imagine if, you know, Triple H was supposed to win this match, and then they end up mid-match saying, you know what, Brian, take 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 this one, and then... So you're saying, like, like if originally they planned, before they went out of that curtain, they planned that Hunter wins, and yeah. then in the middle of it... Um, do, you, do you ever see that happening? 
Could I have seen that happening? No, because I feel like a lot of things at that time took place for them to 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 not piss off the fans even yeah. more. You know, you had Daniel Bryan not being involved in the Royal Rumble that year pissed out pissed off that audience and it ruined the moment for Batista who won the Royal Rumble. You know, it on on television it was not a very good-looking presentation that Batista was being portrayed as a good guy yet the people weren't getting behind it because Daniel Bryan wasn't involved. In some ways similar to what Roman Reigns goes through. Yeah. To this day. Um there's that and then there's the CM Punk situation who kind of comes from a similar mold as a Daniel Bryan um not as much of an underdog as Daniel Bryan but similar talent similar in-ring ability uh similar background he leaves the company mm-hmm. with, with because of his differences with management you know, rumor being Triple H and, and and the McMahon family and him being gone and then Daniel Bryan losing, like, I wouldn't say that WWE was afraid of what would happen if Daniel, if they didn't put Daniel Bryan in a position to, to come out of this storyline, the victor, but I will say that they were very conscious of how it, how things would have turned had they decided to go in a different direction. And I felt like that, that in this situation, with everything that they had done with the storyline um, and the ups and downs and the roller coaster that the Daniel Bryan character had been on since SummerSlam 2013, it had to pay off with him losing or him winning, excuse me, and, and him not losing. Because if it didn't, I think it would leave a sour taste in fans' mouth and it it would make them root for Bryan even more, but it would make them rebel against management mm-hmm. even harder. As we see a. Headlock takedown by Daniel Bryan on Triple H with Stephanie McMahon looking on referee Charles Robinson. Little Nate, famous for calling a lot of big-time matches, especially at a WrestleMania. Called Ric Flair's retirement match at WrestleMania against Shawn Michaels a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. It was funny how they started the match with Triple H putting out his hand to shake Daniel's hand. And, you know, he kicked it and... and and pinned him, almost got the three count there, you know. Yeah. And while Triple H was out there, he, you know, Daniel put his hand out, you know, kind of mocking him, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, Daniel Bryan was like, you know, I'm not taking your shit, dude. I, I know what you're playing. It's, you know, I'm not playing your game. You're going to play my game. And right here off the bat, it seems like, like, you know, like we kind of talked about earlier, Daniel Bryan is, is, um, Using his skills and his ability that some of his opponents wouldn't be able to, to, to use in their own repertoire. But at the same time, you know, Triple H, you know, before he became as big a star as he is, he was known for being a very good mat-based wrestler. Mm-hmm. So Triple H, in some ways, is, has been keeping up with him in this match. Um, here's another interesting fact from being there. Uh, I remember in prior WrestleManias where we would sit. I'd spend most of my time looking at the video screen because the distance and everything and you know not being able to, to see as well from being in a large venue like a, like a football stadium. And I remember watching, 
you know, this show in attendance and saying to myself, I'm going to do my best to be more conscious and not look at the screen so that I can watch the, the, the action in the ring. And unless I have to watch the screen, if they go out to the floor or if they go up the ramp or whatever, um, then I'll, then I'll do so. But I was very conscious at the time to, uh, to not take a look at what we were, uh, watching you know from a, a, like the home television perspective on the video screen in the stadium so we see now triple h working on the leg but now i'm gonna turn that into the shoulder injury that oh brian got out of that kicked by brian knocking triple h down so we see Daniel Bryan fighting back up off the apron here. Whoa! Tornado DDT to Triple H out on the ringside floor as a worried Stephanie McMahon looking on. I'm kind of glad that this match wasn't a notice qualification or you know, one of those type of matches where someone can come out and really mess with the match, you know. Because with these, these guys had a really great, ma clean match. Yeah, it was you know, just straight up, uh, like a regular stand-up yeah. wrestling match, yeah. No, no uh, Batista or Orton coming out and interfering or whatnot, yeah. you know. I'm, I'm glad that they kind of kept it clean. I mean, I guess Stephanie slapped Brian at one point, right? I think at the end, yeah. But that was after the match. Okay, and, okay. Yeah, that was after the match. As we see that, uh, that suicide dive off the top tur turnbuckle to the outside on Triple H. Here's the replay. Brian definitely going all out. Obviously, the stakes are very high. His character has an opportunity to be in the main event later in the evening, so of course he's going to throw down the risk there. And of course, it's moves like that that kind of really signaled the end of his run a couple of years ago before he eventually returned at WrestleMania 34 last year. But uh, definitely watching that back and seeing him take that move, you can, you can, you can understand why he, uh, you know, accrued so many injuries oh, yeah. because definitely. of his style. Definitely. Just takes that one awkward landing, you know? Yeah. You really sideline you for a while. And and I don't know about you, you know, but for me personally, watching him since he came back, uh, he's, uh, I don't think in a sense, like, he's, I would say he's slowed down, but he still does a lot of the same stuff he did before. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. Bam. Working on that arm. Storytelling at its finest. Of course, yeah. Stephanie McMahon trying to lead her own yes chant. Is Triple H looking to secure the, the count-out victory? Which table is that? Is that the English table? Well, it might be. Because normally they're... Uh, <laughs> it's they're, not Spanish enough. Yeah, they're not... You know, normally they, they put guys through the foreigners' tables. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's the Spanish or the German or <laughs> the Russians. doesn't matter. Anywhere but America, they'll, they'll, they'll dump you onto their announce table. As Brian beat the count... But Hunter's still working on that arm and that shoulder with the knees. For me, when I was watching this at this point, you know, I was thinking to myself, well, you had a great start, and here's the beginning of the end, you know? Yeah. You think it was worth the shoulder and, you know, really take him out. 
Now, did you think, regardless of any point in this match, did you think that his character had a chance of winning? Yeah, but it was like, like I said, it was like that slightest chance, you know, they might actually give the underdog the win here, you know? Mm -hmm. But like I said, I was very, very doubtful. Yeah. At the beginning of the, of the match, like I just said, it was just like, oh, he's coming out strong. You know, he's actually doing really well. And then, as we're here now, you know, he's taking a, a good pounding on the shoulder. I, I, I'm kind of right with you there in the terms of, um, at the time, wondering, you know, if they'll screw his character because his character had gone through so much yeah. and it had connected with an audience that, like I said, like I said in an earlier statement, like they, they couldn't have him lose. Like, I felt like this was his, his moment to take place His you know, his, his crowning achievement, like it needed to happen, um, in order for the story to end the right way. Not that I'm any expert, but I always felt like, you know, an under, a good underdog story is that, you know, the underdog eventually, you know, comes out the victor, whether it's, you know, nine times out of ten, you know. he And yeah. in, in that tenth time, he finally wins, you know. Um, but I didn't rule out the possibility of some kind of screw job. Yeah, definitely. At any point in this match. Um but I'm I'm glad that they uh, they didn't put like a serious like no holds barred. Yeah, or oh yeah, yeah. Any kind of stipulation like that. That'd been a guaranteed interference by somebody. Yeah, you know, whether it's Bautista and Orton or anybody else, really, you know, it'd be pretty much guaranteed. I do remember going into this show, like especially like on the airplane getting to New Orleans and then the, the the days leading up to this event. Um, there had been rumors that WWE had tried to reach out to CM Punk and maybe reconcile and have him do a surprise uh, run-in. Mm-hmm. Not during this match, but in the event in and of itself, maybe later on in the pay-per-view. And I just remember a lot of people, a lot of wrestling fans I'd spoken to in New Orleans and in the crowd that night, you got a lot of, you know, where's CM Punk? Is he going to come out and help Daniel Bryan or is he going to save it for later? You know, there was, there was a lot of people holding out hope that a, a CM Punk return would uh, would take place. What did you think? You know, while we're on the subject of him, and uh, you know, I'll I'll be, I'll be nice this time around. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of CM Punk? I honestly, I loved his character. I thought it was it was something different. You know, he was a very good wrestler. He had really cool moves. He was great on the mic. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I thought everything he he did was phenomenal. You know, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't the biggest fan of him leaving the way he did, you know. Yeah. Um, but even like the uh, pipe bomb that he did, that was that was almost as good as as the Austin, I would say. Yeah, uh, as the Austin three sixteen yeah, speech, yeah, yeah, from King of the Ring. Okay. You know. Yeah. I thought I thought it was, I thought he was great, like I said. But now you know, after post WWE, I should say, you know, where he's kind of putting a bad name on the company and this and this and that. You know, it's one thing to have a disagreement or you know, not seeing eye to eye, I guess, but. You shouldn't really, with a company like WWE, really trash the name that bad. Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll get arguments from fans that are big CM Punk supporters that will say they screwed him and he didn't get the opportunities that he deserved and he should have, you know, he should have been able to do more and this, that, and the other. And I mean, if you look at CM Punk's resume in WWE, he was a two-time Money in the Bank winner. He won the World Heavyweight Championship a number of times. Yeah. The longest reigning WWE champion um, 
of the modern era uh, until, you know, recently Brock Lesnar breaking that streak with the universal title, even though Brock's only wrestled about four times since he won the fucking belt. Uh, But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not like his character, it's not like CM Punk was portrayed like a Heath Slater. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's some kernels of truth. When it comes to his issues with WWE on his end, on his end, excuse me, and I, I'm sure there's kernels of truth from WWE's end about dealing with him. I'm sure there's truth on both sides, but yeah. um, I'm I've been kind of over the 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 CM Punk, you know, crybaby aspect of him in public and the way he trashes wrestling and trashes wrestling fans and. If it weren't for wrestling fans, I don't think he'd have the life that he has. Oh, yeah. Being able to just kind of, you know, come and go when he pleases. And, you know, he was able to fight in the UFC because of his wrestling background. You Mm -hmm. know, when there's guys that dream to be mixed martial artists that have never gotten an opportunity to fight in the the UFC. And because of his name value, you know, he got two fights in the UFC. So You know, to think, too, you know, 10, 20 years ago, a guy like CM Punk with a look... He wouldn't have even been looked at by WWE. You're right. Or not even had an opportunity. You're absolutely right. So the fact that they even still gave him the chance and had him had him be a champion, Money in the Bank winner, and I think he was even a tag team champion at one point. He was a tag team champion on a few occasions. Yeah, I mean, great contributions. What he brought, like like you said, great on the microphone. He had a character that connected with people. I'm not knocking what he did in the business whatsoever, um, but at the same time. He thought very highly of himself and thought he was, like, the greatest thing ever. And I didn't yeah. think he was the greatest thing ever. I thought he was really good. I really did. I thought he was really good. And he brought something different to wrestling with that straight-edge character and mm-hmm. a message that he could send. And, you know, his look and his, his ability in the ring. Oh, nice double underhook German suplex by Triple H to Daniel Bryan on that bad shoulder and possibly the back of the neck, too. Uh, that, that's certainly something that, that doesn't age well as we see the replay here. Oh, yeah, that's that's ugly. Another reason why you can understand Daniel Bryan had all the injuries that he did before he uh, had to hang him up in, in 2016. But back to what I was saying about Punk is we, uh, not to get too off topic, I just thought, like, really good, contributed a lot, and, you know, but the the... the the putting down fans and the business itself that made him and what he accomplished, like, you know, I just didn't really just put a bad taste in my mouth for him yeah. as, a, as a human being. The things he said about wrestling fans and I met him a couple of times and he just didn't seem very like friendly, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I've definitely heard that he was really a dickhead for a lot of the time there. Yeah. You know, he was, he was very, very good. Like you said, you know, but he wasn't Ric Flair good. No, you know, or Dusty Rhodes. Good. Oh, definitely not. You know, he, definitely he, not. He was very good, but but not. he thought he was. Yeah, you you would you would have thought. You know, he thought he was. That's the thing. Like, I get that you're confident about your ability, but like, come on, dude, let's be realistic here. Like, you're a blip on the radar compared to Ric Flair. No, you know of course, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> not, not even kidding. You know. Rick Flair is the entire airspace. You are this yeah. little tiny little puddle jumper airplane, you know, that like maybe a few people will notice, yeah. you know, or, or a decent portion of, of the, the audience. So we see Daniel Bryan coming back, fighting back against Triple H here. And uh, this has been a really good match so far. I mean, you know, this 
I remember it being good watching it in person. And, you know, I've seen this match a number of times after that following this WrestleMania. So, I mean, uh, definitely a fun match so far. Yeah, it's been really good. I think the best part about it is it's back and forth, back and forth, you know? Yeah. Which I, I was really a big fan. It wasn't just a lopsided Brock Lesnar match that you see, you know? Yeah. Where he's German suplexes him 14 times and that's it. Yeah. You know? It's just like that back and forth, back and forth. It really makes it really entertaining. You know? Yeah, you said the, the back and forth aspect of it. It's it, it goes along with you know being the underdog and having your moments of you know of 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 shining during the match. And then this moment here, the replay where Hunter clotheslines Daniel Bryan inside out, and it's like, whoop, yeah. hold on there a second, not so fast, buddy. You know, like it's it. it on one hand, you got hope that he's going to to come out the victor but then in that instance with that clothesline you're like oh wait a minute no i don't know because now he's going to go for the pedigree yeah as we see oh brian countering with a roll up one two kick out Ooh, another kick to the head as uh the tide looks like it's turning for daniel bryan or at least we thought it's turning Yes movement, the crowd on its feet. I always love this move that he did. The top rope drop kick? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. Oh, that's the, it was like the diving headbutt. I love that little, uh, maybe not necessarily the headbutt. I love the homage for uh, uh, Benoit when he used to do that same, that same. Uh, the cross face? The crossface and the diving head bomb. Yeah, I was I was a big fan of that. Yeah, the move itself. Yeah, the, those those two moves definitely uh, definitely uh, the uh, very popular moves. Obviously, we you know made famous by Chris Benoit. But I I I do like the uh, that they that they've used the crossface once again. Um, and in some ways have made you forget that, that Benoit did it considering the circumstances yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and what took place with him. As we see, you know, oh, wait, never mind. Thought Brian was going to come out of that one. And, of course, it's here when you're like, all right, here he is going to tap once you got rolled back into the middle of the ring. Yeah. You know? But he keeps fighting and fighting and fighting. Looks like he's fading. Almost like he, uh, you know, he's going to pass out or something, not actually tap out. You yeah. Know? Yeah, like she's saying, your dreams, your dreams are coming to an end. <laughs> not yet. Not yet, bitch. It's not over yet. Rolling back up. One, two, kick out. And now Brian looks like he's going to counter with his yes lock. Hunter fighting it off. Does he have it fully locked in? I think he does. And this yeah. is, see, look at the way his left arm is cranked. You see that? Yeah. I love that. I love how it's 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 bent back like that. It's not like what, you know, the, the cross face used to. Yeah. Used yeah. to look like before. Real looks like it hurts. <laughs> yeah. It definitely does look like it hurts. You see how Triple H's shoulder looks like his body popped out. Yeah, but his shoulder's so big. Yeah. Like, from a smaller guy like Daniel Bryan, I don't know how much damage it would do. <laughs> Decent amount, I'm sure, but yeah. as he's fighting for the ropes there, Stephanie begging him to 
to the rope. Oh, make it to the rope. He made it to the bottom rope. All right. That was a nice little sequence there. Of yeah. Fighting back and forth. Like you said, this has been a great match back and forth between both guys. And, uh, made you believe at times that he has a chance or he doesn't have a chance. As Hunter rolls to the outside. Here's Brian. What's he got cooking? What's he got planned? Oh, here we go. Tope Suicida out to the floor onto Triple H. Oh, he's going for another one. Going for round two. Round two. Oh, there we go again. Nails him again. Going for a third? No, we're just going to kick him. <laughs> kick him right in the chest. Sitting in front of uh, Triple H's parents, as a matter of fact. Huh. Yeah. They usually sit front row at every WrestleMania. So he was beating him up in front of his mommy and daddy. <laughs> There's that drop kick. There it is, yeah. There it is. Right there. Look at that. I love how Daniel Bryan's finishing moves were kind of were believable, you know. It wasn't like a small guy like him was, you know, power bombing you or something, you know. He was using his feet, using his legs to kind of take you out. Yeah. And they, and they look like, they, you know, they're believable moves. Uh-huh. You know, it looks like, oh, shit, I mean, that's, that's kind of hurt. You yeah. Know? Like these yes kicks right to the chest, you know. Well, I love how, like, with with finishing moves, like, I've always felt like a finishing move, like, has to be something that just about anyone can do. Yeah. Like the Stone Cold Stunner, for instance, or like the RKO. Anyone can put that hold on any, or that move on any individual. Mm. You know what I mean? But when it comes to a guy like Daniel Bryan, like you said, like, I have, a, I would have a hard time buying like him picking up someone like a Triple H or Andy Orton or a Big Show and power bombing them, yeah. and that being his finishing move. You know what I mean? Maybe every once in a while he does that, but every week, like no, I don't no. think so. That's not going to work for me. I like how he has you know two or three, maybe even four finishing moves that he can go to. You know? Yeah, he's got a he's got a nice little arsenal. You know, I like the I, I like the, the the knee to the head. Like it, it, yeah. it makes sense. Oh. Spine Buster. Spine Buster. That's one of my favorite moves is the Spine Buster. Yeah. Doesn't get used enough in my opinion. But when it does, it's uh, very effective. As we see now, a pedigree. And this is where I thought it was over. Right yeah. here. And he kicks out and the place just goes absolutely bananas. It's got to be it's like one of those moments where, you know, your heart really sinks into your stomach, you know. Yeah. As a goal, you know, this is it. And then he kicks out, you know. This is when you really get caught into the match, you know. I, I just remember sitting with a lot of people, and you know, in, in my row, and there was people that had said, you know, he better win, he better fucking win, otherwise I'm leaving. And <laughs> I'm like, dude, you got Undertaker and Brock later, like, yeah. you know what I mean? You got, you got Bray Wyatt and John Cena later, you know, like. Hulk Hogan's probably going to come back out. Like, you know, yeah, don't yeah. ruin your night. You know how much money you spend on these goddamn WrestleMania tickets? What no, the fuck kidding. are you thinking? Interesting, interesting fact, I'll tell you. Um, the, you know, I mentioned, oh, here we go. Small package to kick out. How ironic they call that a small package <laughs> from a small, smaller wrestler. Um, I mentioned Brock and Undertaker. And, uh, as we all know, you know, Brock Lesnar ended the WrestleMania streak. And um, 
I'd never been in a venue or a setting where um, that many people, which was, I believe, 75,000 people, were the most quiet that they've ever been yeah. when that happened. And I'll never forget, there was this one guy, he dressed up like Daniel Bryan sitting in my row. And he had he had long hair, but I think and he and he was growing a beard, not as big as Brian's, but he had a T-shirt and he made he came dressed like with like tights, like he you know, he like bought like a speedo or something yeah. and like had it made and everything. Like he looked like Daniel Bryan. Like I thought, oh wow, dude's really going in on this. Like he's putting in the effort. And he walks right by me after Brock wins, and he's like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm not. Fuck this WrestleMania. This is oh bullshit." And I'm like, "Dude, Daniel Bryan's in the main event. Like, wait." And I never forget. There was a girl behind me that was like, "He better fucking win, especially after Brock won. You know, beat the Undertaker oh, in yeah. the streak." But I, I'll never forget. I saw a few people like get up and walk out, like after Undertaker lost. Um, but who really saw that coming? You know? <laughs> oh, nobody did. Nobody did. I can't. I can't tell you. I could probably count like one or two people I spoke with before this event that were like that 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 didn't rule out the idea of Brock winning. Um, as we get a little off topic here, but I just thought that was interesting that I had to tell you because it kind of oh we got another suplex here. Nope, counter Brian into the corner back. Boom! There's the you knee see right there. Going crazy in the one, background. two, three. And the match is over. Daniel Bryan comes out the victor. Part one of his storybook moment in WrestleMania history has come to a close as he has beaten Triple H with 75,000 barbarians inside the Superdome, (laughs) one of them being me at the time in 2014, going crazy that he was on his way to the main event to compete for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship as we see this crowd going bullshit holy cow yeah very very cool look at that sea of 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 humanity there i think i've seen this match maybe a dozen times yeah and even there when he when he finally got the three count i even jumped in my seat you know like yeah. never excitement. gets old never gets old huh no no yeah and the same thing with the main event you know the same exact thing yeah. All right. Well, what we're gonna do right now is, uh, you know, we, we saw the, the 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 meat and potatoes of the situation here, uh, or at least I should say the the appetizer. This is the appetizer right here. Was Daniel Bryan defeating Triple H's? Oh, wait. Never mind. I was gonna I was gonna pause it here for a little bit and kind of give our thoughts on it. And there's Stephanie there's McMahon slap. right there slapping Daniel Bryan. Yep. Why not? Let's go for a few more. I like how he just. Oh, he he laughed and then Hunter from behind. Furthering the underdog story, let's just injure him after he beat me so that he is not 100% going into the main event later on in the evening. Very, very fitting. Oh, chair to the shoulder. Sore Sport Triple H getting one over on Daniel Bryan. And Stephanie McMahon gloating in the face of the leader of the yes movement as right now we're going to pause from this segment here as we see daniel bryan being attended to by medical personnel i'm going to pause here and uh kind of reflect if you will um uh your thoughts overall on the match and your if you can remember at the time your level of excitement um out of this match heading into the main event 
with well, Daniel Bryan challenging for the title. It was such a great match, and like I knew going in, it would be a good match, you know. But just pure wrestling was fantastic, you know. Mm-hmm. The storytelling was phenomenal with the injured shoulder, you know. Hunter going after it the whole match. Yeah. Really working on it. It was really phenomenal. Yep. Um, and the back and forth, back and forth, you know, really, I, I was kind of doubting that Brian would win. and But, you know, you got that little glimpse of hope when he was starting to come back, and then there goes Triple H to kind of take him out again, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, when you got the one, two, three, you know, just like the crowd, you know, I was jumping up and down, you know, couldn't couldn't believe it, you know, and then... Right there, when Triple H tagged him after the match, you know, it was like, oh, here we go. And now he's going to be, you know, the one-armed bandit, you know, yeah. in the main event. Won't won't be able to do anything. So, but, I mean, the match itself was f- fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun being there watching. I mean, it was, uh, you know, like I said, to be able to stand in that stadium, in that venue with 75,000 people and, you know, chanting yes. And, you know, I felt like a kid. And I... I don't know about you, but as you get older, when you watch wrestling, you end up becoming a little more sophisticated as a viewer. Um, And like I had said earlier at the top of the show, the, the, the beauty of being a wrestling fan is that there's still times, even at, you know, older age where we can get caught up in it and you get invested into a story, especially if it resonates with you or connects with you. And on many levels, I'm sure you you feel the same way. Um, Daniel Bryan's journey connected with you, just like it connected with me and 75,000 other people that night in in the Superdome. So, I mean, you get caught up in it, and you're like, wow, this was awesome. Like, I was 31 years old, and I felt like I was 11 years old Mm -hmm. watching that match because it was just a lot of fun, and it was a story that you were – you know, I was in, invested in that. I wanted to see Daniel Bryan succeed in that story. So, um, overall, a great match. Really set the tone for the beginning of that year's WrestleMania. Uh, like I said earlier, of course, you know, you had John Cena and Bray Wyatt, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, uh, Brock Lesnar and the Undertaker. The shock of Brock Lesnar ending the streak, which kind of sucked the life out of the audience because uh, following that match, there was some fourteen or fifteen diva sudden death match with all the girls involved and this was before they were like give, make this was before they had taken the girls more seriously like they have in the last few years where they just put the girls on the card and these poor girls they they worked their butts off but like that crowd wanted no part of them especially after Brock Lesnar had uh, mm-hmm. ended the Undertaker streak which kind of worried me because I was like well I hope that the crowd can get back into it when it comes time for the main event because like I was even like you, I had a little doubt that there could be a chance that they screw Daniel Bryan or that his character doesn't come out the victor in this match. But um, by the same token, I was uh, I was confident that they were going to do the right thing yeah. from, from a storytelling perspective and give us that magic, you know, underdog storybook moment uh, with him coming out on top. As, uh, as now we're going to watch the main event. So uh, what you can do is you can uh, fast forward either on the wrestle. If you want a little shortcut, instead of having to fast forward through all of WrestleMania 30, go to the collections section of the WWE Network right now and uh, search for Daniel Bryan's greatest moments. And in Daniel Bryan's greatest moments, you're going to scroll through. You'll see a, you know, you'll see a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, 
chronicling uh, his WWE career, even some of the early stuff from the the beginning stages of this storyline with the authority. And uh, you'll reach Daniel Bryan, Batista, and Randy Orton in a triple threat match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship from April 6, 2014. That's the entire match. It runs about 38 minutes, uh, including entrances. So with that being said, uh, fire that up. And I'll give you guys a countdown once again. Once you're all caught up, hopefully you're all caught up by now. Hopefully you're all enjoying this. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you here, Donnie, oh, to uh, great. reminisce and reflect and revisit in reimagined fashion this, uh, this this journey to you know WrestleMania 30 with Daniel Bryan, the last WrestleMania I had attended. Uh, hoping to uh, make it to another WrestleMania soon. I know they're going to be in uh, New Jersey upcoming this year, and uh, not sure if we're going to make that one. But uh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, I went to the one in New Jersey in 2013, and it was fucking cold. Oh yeah, it was like early April, and like I waited in line to use the bathroom outside, like like 45, 50 degree weather, and it just <laughs> the wind was blasting. Like I, I can show you some pictures. Like it was. I mean, the, the show was okay. I wasn't a big fan of that show. It was probably yeah. the the least, you know, favorite WrestleMania I've attended. But uh, what was the main event of that one? Rock and Cena for the second time oh, for okay. the title. Yeah, that was the year that CM Punk wrestled Undertaker, mm-hmm. Triple H, and Brock. Um, I'm trying to think what else was on that card. Uh, Fandango and Chris Jericho. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Bryan was on the card with Kane. He tagged with Kane, and they defended the titles against uh, Dolph Ziggler and Big E before Big E was, uh, you know, most notably known for being a part of the New Day. Yeah. So uh, not one of my favorite WrestleManias to attend. I mean, I had fun at the time, but going back and watching it, it wasn't the best show um, from a from a uh, entertainment standpoint. I just wasn't really too thrilled with it and i think too it didn't help that i'm shivering freezing my ass off watching wrestling you know so all right enough with the rambling as uh hopefully you've all reached daniel bryan's greatest moments in the wwe network's collection section under uh daniel bryan versus batista versus randy orton from wrestlemania 30 april 6 2014 triple threat match for the wwe world heavyweight championship i'll give you a little countdown in five four three Two, one, hit play as we see the shot of the audience here. Sold out crowd in the Mercedes Benz Superdome with uh, uh, Randy Orton's uh, theme music being played live by, uh, I forget the name of the group here. Yeah, I can't think of it myself. I thought it was really cool when bands come and play the uh, entrance, you know. Oh, I dig it too. Yeah, I, I think it's really a lot. Of, yeah, like when the, when Bray Wyatt had that band do his. Yeah, thought that was really. That was really that. Cool. This was that same WrestleMania. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the band. You want to hear the funny thing is, like, I didn't know that they were that he had a band playing him to the ring. I went during the entrance. I went to go use the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know why I did because I remember being like psyched that like I was going to see. Bray Wyatt's entrance in New Orleans, yeah, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Just the vibe of his character, and um, the bathroom had the speakers on, so I could hear the music in okay. the entrance. And then some guy, a couple stalls down, was like, uh, you know, said something about, "Oh, it's a band playing him to the ring" or something like that. So I finished, you know, took a quick piss, washed my hands, of course, because I'm very sanitary, mm-hmm. and uh, made it back just in time to see the end of the entrance. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was kind of cool that you know 
I've dug bands over the years. What have been some of your favorite WrestleMania entrances with bands that have uh, uh, played guys to the ring that you can remember off the top of your head? I got to say the Bray Wyatt one was really cool. Because the thing about the Bray Wyatt entrance was y'all were dressed up in those masks and everything. The voodoo kind of. Yeah, yeah. I really dug that. Or um, not necessarily a, a band or anything, but Sting's entrance when he uh, wrestled Triple H yep. with the drums and all that. I thought that yeah. was really cool too. Had a kind of different feel to it. The you know? They had the like the Japanese kind yeah, of drum band yeah. playing with the guys dressed up in the face paint. That was pretty cool. I dug that. Those yeah. are the first couple that come to mind, really. Yeah. What about you? Um, I dug Rusev's entrance at that WrestleMania that year, the same year that Sting had. Uh, oh, when yeah. He came out in the tank. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. Um, I there was a there was a WrestleMania I went to. Uh, in Orlando in 2008 and John Cena came out and the Central Florida College Marching Band did his theme music to the ring and I thought that was kind of a neat twist Um, you know you're hearing like you know trumpets and trombones Mm and you know uh, you know uh, a drum line playing his song I thought that was kind of cool and uh, of course you know top of the top of the mountain when it comes to entrances at a wrestlemania you can't beat anything that undertaker does in my opinion he's uh no matter how old he is or is you know he's he's been you know excuse me no matter how old he's been getting in the last few years and the quality of his in-ring matches have slowed down the entrance still makes you know still makes up for it in some respects uh yeah so those are just a few that come to mind i'm sure i got more um in that you know i've enjoyed over the years but uh yeah this was kind of cool to see this you know a band playing orton to the ring and but i was uh i wasn't too jazzed about it like like i normally am with other big wrestlemania entrances um which you don't see a ton of, I will say. And this past year's WrestleMania wasn't too bad when it came to entrances, but uh, the big flashy entrances, like it's not as big of a thing anymore at WrestleMania in, in recent yeah. years as we see the animal Batista making his way to the ring. It's really too bad that everybody kind of shit on Batista when he came back. You know, I feel like he really wasn't well taken back. I mean. I read an interview with him around this time period where I guess he had told WWE management he was, you know, they told him the plans and you know what he was going to do when he came back, and part of that plan was him being a good guy, and they were going to headline it with uh, the original idea was him and Orton yeah. for the title at WrestleMania, and he was like, "That's not going to work." He's like, "They hate me. They want to hate me. Let me be a bad guy." You know, what about this Daniel Bryan kid? Like, behind the scenes, he was big on Daniel Bryan, mm-hmm. from what I've heard. He was a big proponent of Daniel Bryan and him succeeding up the card. And so, uh, the uh, it's very unfortunate that the, that the audience kind of turned on him in some way. But I always felt Batista was a better bad guy than he oh, was a definitely. good guy. Yeah. And even though, like, he kind of morphed into a bad guy in the weeks leading up to this WrestleMania, I was kind of... Nikki does this too a lot with Roman Reigns where she's like, why are they booing him? Yeah. Like, he works so hard. Like, I'm like, Nikki, it's a show. Like, <laughs> that, that's what they do. Like, you know, she's like, but he's such a nice guy. Yeah, like, yeah. 
I'm like, all right, honey, yes, I know, he's a nice guy, so am I, that's why you married me, you know, (laughs) but, like, you know, not everyone boos me, you know, like, it's just a show, and so, like, she was like, I feel so bad for Batista, like, when he won and they booed him, she felt bad, Yeah. so, uh, another guy that really comes to mind that really was meant to be a bad guy is Seth Rollins, you know, he was such a good bad guy, and I don't know, I don't like seeing him as a, as a good guy, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's a better he's a better bad guy than he's a good guy, but I will say within the last year because he's been able to perform at such a high level from an in-ring standpoint, I think the fans have had no choice but to respect him yeah. and cheer for him. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, he's definitely a good little slime ball kind of a bad guy at times. Like when he won that money in the bank a couple of years at WrestleMania and he yeah. stole it from Roman and you know, in the match with Brock and you know, and Michael Cole called it the heist of the century, which was, you know, very true. Uh, definitely a, a, a little, uh, you know, he's got the potential to be a really good bad guy. And he was for a period of time. But, um, yeah, sometimes, you know, certain guys are meant to be, you know, certain characters. You know, Randy yeah. Orton, he's a better bad guy. Oh, I Way agree. better than a good guy. As oh, much yeah. as people, you know, enjoy seeing him do the RKO, he's definitely meant to be a bad guy. Like, Daniel Bryan is not meant to be a bad guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's certain things that stick with fans that, you know, you shouldn't change. And, you know, Daniel Bryan definitely, you know, it would shock people if he were to have turned bad, but I don't think the people would want that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think the people would. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but when he joined the Wyatts, weren't they kind of somewhat booing him a little bit when he was with the Wyatt? They were, yeah, but I mean... Not necessarily he was a bad guy, but... but I don't know, and I'm not saying that like I, my my thinking made me smarter, but like... When he joined with them and and was part of that group, I was like, "All right, this isn't going to last long. Yeah. He's going to turn on them." Like, you know, why would why would he join with them after they have beaten him for so long? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Why would he, you know, align with a group of guys that tried to end him? Like, I didn't understand that or get that. Yeah. Like, you know, I get it from a storytelling perspective that they wanted us to think that Bray Wyatt was like playing mind games and psychologically getting in his head, and but. You could kind of see that coming from a while away. He wasn't going to stay with them for very long. Yeah. But um, they were booing him that he was joining with them. But I think it was because – I don't think it was because they were mad that he joined the Wyatts. I think it was because they wanted to see – they didn't want to see him join the Wyatts. They they wanted to see him as the good guy. They wanted to see him as the underdog. Mm-hmm. You know, They wanted to see him fight for the title. You know, Bautista. There you go. <laughs> Brutal. Oh, you want to see something brutal? You go on WWE Network, and I, 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 I had this conversation with Donovan when we did our um, the Shawn Michaels Triple H SummerSlam 2002 yep. podcast uh, a, a while back, and there was a sign during that match that just said pork, yeah. and Donovan was like, "Oh, he's a big fan of pork," and um, I'd mentioned it in that show. But you go back and you watch WrestleMania 26 on the WWE Network, and it's Batista and John Cena. For the WWE title. And there's a guy in the front row that's got a sign. It's a picture of Batista with sunglasses on. His mouth is all wide open. And it says, Batista likes fish sticks. (laughs) And I just thought, like, how absurd and silly. But at the same time, like, that's fucking hilarious. So random. Yeah, it was random. But it was was so funny at the same time. 
as we see Daniel Bryan really kicking things off with a kick to the face of WWE champion Randy Orton, now Batista, looking to uh, gain the advantage. Oh, and a Hurricane Rana by Bryan to Batista out on the floor as we now go back to a one-on-one scenario with Bryan laying in those yes kicks to, to Randy Orton. It goes back to the shoulder. Now, if you remember, and you and I talked about this briefly, um, being, a, you know, you were a big fan of Evolution when, you know, in the heyday. Um, but if you remember, it was after this WrestleMania, the Evolution briefly reformed. Yeah, it was against the Shield, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was, H, I Batista. thought that was great, too. Yeah, that was awesome stuff. That was really yeah, cool was stuff. Yeah, a lot of good matches. Yeah. They had two really good six-man tag team matches at the at the, the two following the two pay-per-views following this, and it was after the second match that Batista quit, or his contract had expired or something because yeah. he had a short-term deal. But, um, yeah, that was kind of cool to see an Evolution reunion, uh, a little mini reunion, even if it was just the three of them, yeah. minus Ric Flair. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't begging Ric Flair to... Yeah. Dust off the robe and, <laughs> and get in there with the other three because, you know, there's better things for me to look at as yeah. much as I love and respect Ric Flair. But, uh. Yeah, actually, I really dug that Evolution reunion. Would you get behind it if they brought it back again? Uh, I guess it, it would depend on the scenario. I thought with the Shield, I thought it was fantastic with the Shield. It made sense. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, I, mean, I guess it all really depends on how they do it, you know. Uh-huh. I can't say I'd be opposed to it. Yep. You know, but if it was, you know, I don't know. Depends on who they're wrestling against, yeah, what the yeah. story, how it pans out. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I had heard some rumors a while back that, um, actually, not rumors, they were statements from Batista publicly when he was promoting his, uh, his Guardians of the Galaxy movie mm-hmm. that uh, he was originally pitched to be Ronda Rousey's tag team partner at WrestleMania oh. uh, against Stephanie and Triple H. And it wasn't supposed to be Kurt Angle. And they had come up with this plan and this idea of him returning. And then it was going to eventually lead to a match with him and Triple H at you know, a future WrestleMania. Uh-huh. And according to Batista, he... Didn't get any callbacks from WWE to further uh, finalize details regarding his return. And then he ended up finding out on TV that they were going in a different direction <laughs> with Kurt Angle. They didn't even have the the courtesy to uh, to tell him. This is, of course, according to Batista. I've heard yeah. other stories that The Rock was another name, the, the first choice that they wanted in that role because of his uh, – because of the – the interaction he had with Ronda Rousey at that WrestleMania a couple of years ago yeah, when they yeah. beat up Hunter and, and Stephanie. So, uh, yeah, there'd been talks of, uh, a Batista return, maybe even a, a hall of fame induction at some point. Um, I definitely see it happening down the line. You never say never in wrestling. No, of course. Yeah. But, uh, if you had a dream, let's say evolution did come back for a short, low send, who would you want to see them go up against? If you had anyone in mind, evolution, that would kind of make sense, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing them go against the Shield again if yeah. they did. If they did the Shield again, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, man, that's that's a good question. Um, all right, here's a good here, here's a, here's a good 
This is this would be this is all right. Evolution, Triple H, Batista, Randy Orton up against Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe. Ooh. You got six different types of wrestlers, two different factions, if you will, two different groups, even though AJ and Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe really aren't a group. Yeah. Um, you know, they come from that same kind of wrestling. Yeah. That, you know, that, that independent style of wrestling that eventually, you know, they morph their styles into the, the WWE style. Yeah, I could get behind something like that. I could, like I said, Evolution in the Shield, Evolution against those three guys. Um, yeah, that's... That's pretty much where I'm at right now. So now, like, I don't know, maybe it's a little outlandish on my end, but now let's say, you know, it was kind of like part of the shield, you know, where it was, let's say, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, let's say, and Dean Ambrose was kind of out of the picture. Mm -hmm. You know, and let's say, you know, Evolution were to come back and some sort of storyline really pounded on Rollins and um, Roman Reigns Mm -hmm. for a little bit, you know. And it's a handicap match at, let's say, you know, WrestleMania or something. Yeah. You know? But then, you know, instead of being a handicap match, everybody comes out, and then next thing you know, you hear the dum If you can smell, the and then the rock comes out. I think that'd be pretty sweet, you know? I've, I've That's always, like a surprise. I've always said this. I can get behind Rock coming back and wrestling a match against Triple H. Yeah, that'd be a great match. WrestleMania, I think. they have a, they've had such a great rivalry over the years that like the the little interaction they had at that WrestleMania in California when Ronda Rousey got involved. Yeah, like, yeah, I could I could definitely get behind you know seeing those two go at it one more time, almost like a like a, a like a final encounter kind of mm-hmm. build up. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see The Rock, and it's definitely not something that's outlandish. That's for sure. I mean, you know, right scenario, right type of money, obviously. Of course, yeah. You know, um, it, it could definitely happen. It's Batista delivering a beating to Daniel Bryan in the corner with Daniel Bryan's shoulder taped up, retaped, I should say. Uh, you know, from his previous encounter with Triple H, with Bryan now drop toe holding Batista into the corner, countering the attack. As this match is. Uh, gotten a little out of control in the early parts Brian trading off the kicks into the corner to both Orton and Batista man you gotta have your cardio you know at a, at a high level to be able to do that I think I'd run out of breath maybe on the second one the first <laughs> one maybe who knows yeah he's still going you know yeah, no, he's he's a machine. I mean, that's why he's one of the best. I think that's why people respect him so much because yeah. he's so athletically gifted. Kick out by Orton. I also uh, always wondered where guys like you know, like a guy like Kevin Owens is so massive when he does so much running around and flips and all that kind of stuff. Like how he can stay so big? Cause it is, you know, such a intense workout. Really, you know? yeah. Yeah, guys get blown up very easily, you know, if you're not, you know, if you don't have a, you know, good level of cardio. Um, so we see uh, Daniel Bryan out to the floor. Batista going to the top rope. That's uh, that's something unheard of. Yeah. For sure. Right there, Orton stopping him at the, at the pass as Batista now... 
Down and out. Orton going for his signature superplex off the top rope. A, ma- a move that, you know, before before you were even born, my friend, uh, was a move that wasn't done a whole lot often. It yeah. was uh, it was one of those moves that, like, when you saw it, it, was, it meant something. And, you know, one day we'll have to sit back and watch some older wrestling. You, you, you might... I'm, I'm sure you do appreciate all the older oh, stuff, but you know you, you might appreciate it more. Oh, out of nowhere, flying headbutt by Daniel Bryan, where you'll see moves that like weren't used all that often. You know, like the like a super kick when Shawn Michaels did the super kick. Shawn Michaels did the super kick. That was over. Now everyone does the super yeah. kick. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Seth Rollins, the Usos. You know, just about everyone does Ziggler. the super kick. Ziggler, yeah. As we see now, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon making their way into this match, and this was the turning point in the match where. Um, I mentioned to you earlier, like, you know, in the crowd, people thought, you know, this is an opportunity for CM Punk to, to return. I even yeah. think there's some CM Punk chance that the, the audience is uh, uh, participating in right now. Um, but, yeah, this was like there were even still some people in, in like my section in the stadium where they were, you know, with, with Triple H and Stephanie's involvement in this portion of the match. They were like, holy cow, like they could screw him again. Spinebuster by Batista to Daniel Bryan. It's Triple H directing traffic, calling for the crooked referee, Scott Armstrong. Little known fact, Scott Armstrong, the brother of Road Dog. Oh, no kidding. From the New Age Outlaws, yes. Works backstage in a backstage capacity, helping the younger talent currently these days within WWE, both Road Dog and his brother, Scott Armstrong. Wow. Their father, Hall of Famer, Bullet Bob Armstrong. Uh, Scott was a lower card wrestler, I guess you would say. Um, not as po- not very popular. Yeah. Um, but, you know, look at that. Yeah. Kicks out. Look at that place going nuts. Oh, man. I can't describe how awesome that feeling was just being there and, and, and experiencing that. It's now Daniel Bryan ducking out of the way, forcing Batista... Into the pole. Oh, kick to the head of the crooked referee. I guess there should have been a disqualification, right? Well, I mean, but then again, it's a triple threat match. There are no disqualifications in a triple threat match. Stalling for time as Daniel Bryan looks slowly, gets a boom, suicide dive to the outside, onto the authority. The crowd on their feet. Yes, yes, yes. Knocking down Stephanie McMahon. Well, the rainbow looks like. Yeah. 75,000 people approved <laughs> domestic violence on a woman. <laughs> and there's CC Triple H. Not happy with the situation. Looking for his trusty sledgehammer, and oh, he found yeah. it. There it is. How convenient. Yeah, right under the <laughs> ring. Whoever stocks the ring with the, uh, the, the items... Uh, should have been fired a long time ago. Yeah. Chairs, tables, little people, <laughs> horn swoggles. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Roll up by Brian here as the new referee gets in. One, two, and Orton makes the save, saving his championship. Oh, Jesus, he almost ripped his hair out. Not a happy camper as one Randy Orton. Ooh, vicious uppercut to Daniel Bryan. Another one. Orton, one of my favorites of all time. 
I don't know about you, but... Yeah, yeah, he, he's up there. Yeah. Definitely. I think his best stuff was his earlier stuff, when he was just joining Evolution, when he was the Legend Killer. That and was I, good stuff. I thought that was really good. That was really st- good stuff. That was good stuff. My, it, I, be hard to argue that point. The only... Um, you know, he was young, he was cocky, um, he was really coming into his own, really developing, making himself noticed. Uh, there's that moment, you know, th- that time period where he was really becoming a force with evolution. And uh, I enjoyed, I don't know if you remember this, uh, his 2009 run where um, he uh, he had Legacy with Cody Rhodes and DiBiase. Yeah, yeah. And they did that stuff where he... Um, he DDT'd Stephanie McMahon yeah. and like he handcuffed Triple H to the rope and he kissed an, uh, an unconscious Stephanie McMahon mm-hmm. like that dirty stuff he kicked Vince in the head he put Shane in the hospital like he dismantled the McMahon family piece by piece like yeah. and then he eventually won the WWE championship in 2009 that year but um Probably those two time periods are my favorite time periods of Orton I didn't mind the stuff he did with the authority here in, in 2014 mm-hmm. but um he was at his hottest, I believe, in, in 2009. And yeah. He also had, um, when he was with Edge, the rated RKO. Yes. That was good stuff, too. That was really good stuff. That was a big fan. Yeah. Well, I'm a big Edge fan, so like I, I definitely enjoyed that tag team. I thought that was a cool team, a super team, I guess, if you will. Um, do you remember the episode of Raw where him and Edge dragged a bloody Ric Flair from the... the uh, the locker room brought him out to the ringside, and then they gave him the concerto to yeah, the head. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that I mean, Flair was covered in it. Was like he took a bath in his own blood. Uh-huh. Like you couldn't even see. Like it was just all blood. Like his shirt, his whole his whole head. I mean, Flair was always a good bleeder. Um, but yeah, that was probably one of my favorite moments with those two guys together. And here it looks like we're setting up for a uh, some kind of maneuver. Into the Spanish announce table. Of course. You see Ricardo Rodriguez, former <laughs> former uh, ring announcer for Alberto Del Rio. Yeah. Filling in on commentary for, for that WrestleMania. This was a cool move here. I don't know if you remember this. Mm-hmm. This uh, this powerbomb RKO combo right here. Boom! Oh, see, look at, look at that. He landed on top of the monitor. Yeah. On top of the monitor. Holy cow. You know what I've always wondered? You know how sometimes when they take out the Spanish announce table, they remove the monitors, and sometimes the announcer's headsets used to fall off? Yeah. If you go on WWE Network and you look in the pay-per-view section, they have an alternate alternate commentary of, like, different languages. Uh-huh. I'll have to go back and watch, if it, watch an old pay-per-view in Spanish and see how long the commentating was out. Like when like a guy got put through a table and they yeah. lost their headset. You know what I mean? Like uh, I've always wondered like what that was like for the viewers that watch oh, it in yeah, Spanish or in German or whatever languages, you know, yeah. that it's available in. I've always, you know, been curious how that uh how that all pans out. As we see a replay of this RKO powerbomb combo here. Oh. Yeah, that that does. That monitor. Yeah, that monitor. That monitor won. <laughs> Orton's back lost. That monitor won. You see, look, he cuts on his back. As it looks like the EMTs are tending to Daniel Bryan, doctors, officials. Are they real doctors? Or are they Halloween store costume doctors? <laughs> Who knows? 
I don't see Sergeant Slaughter anywhere. Yeah, no, Sergeant Slaughter, uh, you know, he's uh, no longer, uh, well, no, he's, I think he still works for the company, but not in that kind of capacity like he used to. Or he used to come out, you remember that, he used yeah. to come out all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, if anyone was hurt or injured. Sergeant was a, Sergeant Slaughter wasn't a doctor. He was a Sergeant Slaughter. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you doing out there when the guys are hurt. You know what I mean? Like yeah. let the professionals tend to it. You know, I never understood that. That's just me kind of overthinking and trying to make good conversation. As we see the action still unfolding on the floor as Daniel Bryan is now. It looks like he's out of this match. You see the neck collar. And all those look like real EMTs, like legit, real. Yeah, it's Batista now driving Orton into the uh, the padded wall because that hurts so much. Yeah. Into the post, letting him know who the man is. More Daniel Bryan on the stretcher as this match continues. Of course, this is probably the, the 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 portion of this show being there live where i was like well he's got to come back this is the final like last ditch effort you know what i mean yeah. like he's it, he you may think he's gone you may think he's out of the picture but this is where like he's got to come back like they can't screw this part up because if they screw this part up, you've got 75,000 people that are probably going to riot. Yeah. <laughs> In all seriousness, down. you took away the Undertaker streak. Don't take away Daniel Bryan winning the title. That's That was the, the, the vibe I got from a few people in the, in the in my section at that time, myself included. Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably could have done without this whole stretch of thing, you know. I guess, I guess it's all right, but. Yeah, but I mean. Here's here was here was the issue with it, okay? I know they were trying to create drama and suspense and you know, the the, the doubt in fans' minds that, you know, he's gonna be uh he's not gonna be a part of the match, but this is where like that conversation about size comes into play. With with that you and I discussed earlier, where a guy his size taking a move such as that by two guys that are bigger than him, how can he survive that? Yeah. You know? Granted, wrestling's supposed to suspend your disbelief as we see him fighting off the doctors and the EMTs and the crowd on their feet. Pandemonium inside the, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome as Daniel Bryan, he's not done yet. He has not finished his job, and that is to become the WWE World Champion. Orton trying to end that dream. But you know what I mean? Like I had, con- like, I had a conversation with someone after this show where it was like, like, the stretcher thing was a little too much for them because, yeah. you know, if you're going to put Daniel Bryan on the stretcher, then, like, you're going to kind of be done with it, especially the way that they, you know, they they performed that, that RKO powerbomb combo onto the table. Like, people expected him to, to be gone from that. You know, yeah. how could they believe that? But at the same time, like I said, wrestling is supposed to suspend your disbelief. Hello, we believe that Kane can shoot fire out of the ring posts yeah. and that Undertaker's been fucking dead for God knows how long. Yeah. Now all of a sudden we're going to question whether Daniel Bryan can come back from a stretcher job? Yeah, you know true. what I mean? Like, come on. Like, let's be realistic here, you know? <laughs> Stone Cold was run over by a car in 1999 and he didn't press charges. Like, yeah. are you fucking crazy? 
crazy? Like, come on. It's wrestling. You know? I was like, seriously now. You got into the fact that Stone Cold was run over by a car. As we see Daniel Bryan locking in the, the yes lock on Randy Orton. Trying to uh, end this match here and become WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Is he going to tap? Is he going to tap? Oh, I don't know. Oh, there's Batista to save the day and his opportunity at the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And now Batista getting caught in the yes lock by Daniel Bryan. But yeah, I just, I, I, I kind of, that's the, that's the perspective I, I have in regards to that situation. Yes, it can be seen as non-believable, but I mean, Undertaker appears out of nowhere in the dark and then yeah. shows up like, mm-hmm. you know. You believe that hocus pocus, but you don't believe the other shit that goes yeah. on. Like, come on, like, you know, that's just stupid on my on, on most fans' part, in my opinion. Closing moments of this match here is Orton has Batista cornered, has Daniel Bryan cornered. Which one is he going for? Oh, sights set on the animal for that RKO. Does he have it? Oh, Batista countering in the corner. The animal looks out of breath. Oh, Ooh. little headbutt there. Little Concussion boy. City. <laughs> yeah. And now's the arcade. That's this is where you think Orange is going to win. And the kick out. And people weren't excited because Batista kicked out. Yeah. People were excited because the match was still going on. Daniel yeah. Bryan still had a chance. Oh. Yeah, that does not look good. Imagine his big giant dome. Seriously. Hitting you in the head. Full speed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a battering ram. Yeah. Like that's like you might as well just get hit by a car. It might feel better. Yeah. You know? <laughs> head to head, like. Obviously it wasn't planned that way, but you know, it's just the way the cookie crumbled in this instance. Randy Orton not pleased. He still got work to do in order to keep the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, but at the very least, it's just him and Batista right now because Daniel Bryan just uh, he took a he took a headbutt to the dome. Yeah, from Batista. Looks like setting up for that punt. I was a big fan of the punt. Oh, knee to the face by Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I liked the punt too. It was very it was serious. Uh, yeah. You know, Batista going for the cover, kick out at two, trying to pick up off Daniel Bryan's scraps. Yeah, the punt was, uh, it was cool. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it added, it, it made Orton more vicious. Yeah. You know, it made him more believable as a, as a real dickhead. Batista going up for the Batista bomb, it looks like. And bam, right there to Randy Orton. Orton rolls out. Boom! Brian with another knee. And here we see the yes lock in place. As Batista fighting out. Can he tap? Will he tap? Yes, he does. And the storybook ending to Daniel Bryan's journey to WrestleMania 30 has come to a close as he has won the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. The dream of Daniel Bryan and several 40-year-old virgins (laughs) has come true. 
Yeah, this was this was pretty awesome. It was just a real feel good story that you like you had no choice but to get behind. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then of course knowing all the other stuff, you know, you had that boy Connor. Yeah. That was sitting ringside and he died a few days later. This was like the last greatest moment of his life to see his hero, Daniel Bryan, win the championship. He was sitting front row, you kinda of see him as the, the shot fades, you know, to pan out to the entire crowd. And I think he'll I think Bryan will acknowledge him or go yeah. out to the floor and give the kid a hug. As he's standing on top of the announcer's table. pyrotechnics display to end Wrestlemania 30 what what a great ending to the show yeah overall I mean this was I mean you go back and watch I thought this was a fantastic show in and of itself Um, it had a little bit of everything you had a lot of the old and the new and it was a milestone Wrestlemania being the 30th one uh, a lot of debate in, in years prior to this where the 30th WrestleMania should be held. A lot of people thought Madison Square Garden because they held uh, WrestleMania's 1, 10, and 20. But um, obviously the more asses you put in the seats, the more money you're going to make. Of course, yeah. This was a cool visual too, uh, seeing all the confetti rain down in celebration of Daniel Bryan winning the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. This was one of those moments being there that, like, yeah, we wanted to beat the traffic to get back to the hotel, but I didn't want to leave and yeah, not that's, see that's this moment. full moment, th- these full moments, like moments like this where he's hugging his niece, and I believe that's his sister that's coming into the ring, and you'll see him make his way out to the floor at some point to to uh, acknowledge you know, that, that young man, Connor, who unfortunately passed away from cancer not too long after this event overall your thoughts on this match uh, like, like I said it was just I mean it was such a feel good story you know you kind of going in with the same doubt you know will he actually pull it off and then you know he really got pounded for a few moments there but then he did what Daniel Bryan does and came back and and took it away I thought it was a great match again you know with Triple H coming in trying to interfere but he knocked them down and then beating the odds of of getting the title. Just this whole storyline and the whole, both matches were such feel good matches. Yeah. You know, kept you at the edge of your seat the whole time. Yeah. You know, with your highs and the lows and just like I said, just two great, great matches and a great storyline. Unfortunately, following this match um, is where like Brian's career kind of and personal life kind of took a turn for the worse. Uh, his father had died a few weeks later. Um, unexpectedly, his father passed away, and then uh, he got married. And then the the the, the neck injury. He had the yeah. the neck injury, and he had the surgery, and then he came back about a year later. And then he had the concussion issues, and then he had to retire. You know, in twenty sixteen. Um, but in true Daniel Bryan fashion, the the underdog story didn't end. Even though he had a role on WWE television as the general manager of SmackDown, he ended up returning at last year's WrestleMania in New Orleans, of all places, uh, WrestleMania 34, with Shane McMahon in his, as his tag team partner against Kevin Owens and uh, Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was... I don't know about you, but I was pretty excited that he was coming back because I was... I, I really thought that... He didn't get enough 
time to really enjoy this moment here. Yeah, I agree. Following this because of everything that happened with his injuries and his personal life and having to, 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 to retire from in-ring action briefly. What do you, what did you think of Daniel Bryan's return last year in 2018 at WrestleMania 34? Well, I was stoked about it. You know, really as great of a moment as this was, and this is one of the, you know, the best moments that he could probably ever do. Yeah. I would, I almost kind of felt cheated in a way when he had to retire. I felt as if he still had so much more to do. Oh, yeah. You know, and like I said, this is such a, a high moment, and I, you probably won't have a storyline like this again, you know, where he wins two matches against, you know, three of the top guys. Yeah. But I, like I said, I felt cheated that he still had so much left in him. So when he when he returned, I was ecstatic, you know, and we'll see where, where he ends up, you know, for the next couple of years, hopefully. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's uh, one of the most popular guys in recent memory. Uh, definitely one of my favorites to watch. Like I said, feel good type of storylines that he's involved in. You can really invest and, and connect with him on a certain level. This has been a lot of fun, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm so glad that you came on board and uh, we got to talk about uh, you know one of your favorite storylines, Daniel Bryan and his march to WrestleMania. Um, you know from you watching it at home to me being there in person to being a part of that moment um definitely you definitely brought it today and uh you know you're my buddy you always got welcome open invitation back here you know you know to talk wrestling and maybe do another one of these watch alongs again all right yeah it was a a blast thank you so much and uh we will definitely be doing this again and uh on that note uh we're gonna wrap things up here on kicking out at two And don't forget to join us next week as the WrestleMania discussions continue here with WrestleMania season on Kicking Out at Two. As we're going to bring you part one of a two-part series of our WrestleMania MVPs. Uh, We're going to sit down and we're going to discuss WrestleManias 1 through 17. And we're going to give you our MVPs individually from from those events. So uh, it could could be a match. It could be um, a, a a storyline or something that a moment that transpired on that event it could be an individual who had a, a, a great performance um there's no real set criteria or qualifications as to what uh, signifies a wrestlemania mvp at least in my opinion here on kicking out it too so i'm really looking forward to doing that you know major league baseball the uh, the nfl super bowl the nba finals you know stanley cup and hockey they all have mvps of those particular series or particular games well we're going to bring you our wrestlemania mvps next week here on kicking out it too with wrestlemania's one through wrestlemania 17 and then the following week we're gonna we're gonna celebrate the 25 year anniversary the silver anniversary of wrestlemania 10 by doing a special wrestlemania 10 watch along uh the night where uh, Shawn michaels really stepped it up and 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 brought his a game and really made himself a major player in all of wrestling with his breathtaking performance in the ladder match against razor ramon we would also see bret hart and owen hart in a classic uh to open up that event the wwf championship defended twice in the same evening yokozuna and lex luger first and then the winner of that match would then face Bret Hart in the main event later in the evening. All that taking place in two weeks, March 20th here on Kicking Out of Two. And then the following week, the WrestleMania discussions continue as we're going to give you part two of our WrestleMania MVP. We're not going to go back to back with it. We're going to break it up a little bit, give you guys a little bit of a breather, if you will, to really let let some of those 
MVP candidates sink in, chew on it. Maybe you guys got some uh, some candidates of your own that we didn't mention on part one that maybe in part two are going to come up. We're going to give you WrestleMania's 18 to 34, whether it's a match, whether it's a moment, whether it's an individual, whether it's an entire WrestleMania event. We're going to give you the MVPs of each and every one of those WrestleManias on March the 27th. And then to end the WrestleMania weekend, or the end of WrestleMania um, discussion and the theme here on kicking out at two uh april the third the wednesday before wrestlemania 35 we're going to sit down and discuss our individual wrestlemania weekend memories i've been to six wrestlemanias my brothers have been to quite a few more than myself i believe they've they've hit the 10 or 11 mark i'm not 100 percent sure anyhow um we're going to sit down we're going to discuss our memories of, of traveling to specific cities that have taken place uh you know that have WrestleMania had taken place, and excuse me, I'm stumbling over my words here. Uh, discuss some of our, our our times at the Hall of Fame, meeting people at Fan Access, shenanigans going on at the hotel, all that, and so much more in our WrestleMania weekend uh, memories episode, April the third. And uh, like I said, I'm giving you guys some WrestleMania bonus content here on Kicking Out at Two. Tune in Sunday morning, WrestleMania Sunday. I know you guys are going to be pumped and ready for WrestleMania. You're probably going to watch some old WrestleMania matches. Well, watch an old WrestleMania match with me. Because on Sunday morning, I'm going to drop a very special WrestleMania match watch-along as bonus content here on Kicking Out of 2 to get you excited for WrestleMania. What's that match going to be? Well... I don't know yet. I'm not quite 100% sure, but I will let you know in the coming weeks as to what match I'm going to watch, and hopefully you're going to watch with me on WrestleMania Sunday morning here on Kicking Out at 2. And I think it's about that time we finally put this show down for the three count. No more false finishes, no more run-ins, no more disqualifications. The Yes Movement at WrestleMania 30 stood tall, and so do we, and we will see you all next week.